0: Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross, back this week for the start of the clay court season. We'll preview Monte Carlo, and then I'll get to your comments, which I haven't even read yet. Sometimes I lead off, I say, I love your comments, I can't wait to read them. But this time, they're a surprise, so hopefully nothing too crazy. I forgot to mention last week that Miami, in 2018 was the first Monday match analysis ever after the final when Isner beat Zverev that was the first show so last week or the or the last or two weeks ago it, it really was the two weeks ago Monday match analysis was the 1 year anniversary and uh, it, or in tennis terms at least I don't know what the date was I don't really care um, but I didn't mention anything so I thought I'd say something now uh, because now this Monte Carlo, I believe was the second ever Monday match analysis. So we're, we've kind of finally completed the first go around the first full, uh, uh, tennis season. Now we're more than a year old. I think I had about 650 subscribers by the way, when I did my first Monday match analysis. So we have come a long way. We had a great year last year. We're having a great start to this year and, uh, I'm. I can't wait to keep it going. There's our thumbnail. It's Rafa, in his element, Monte Carlo. Uh, I think eleven titles does he have here? Uh, If 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 I'm off, I'm not off by much. Uh, Rafa has been amazing here, just like he's been amazing at a lot of the other clay court master or all of the other clay court masters events. But look how beautiful this is. It's the mountains on one side of the court. And then you can't see it in this picture, but it's it's the beautiful blue. I don't know if it's. I think it's probably a sea. It doesn't look like an ocean on the other side of the court. Monte Carlo is the be- most beautiful tournament on tour. Absolutely gorgeous. So what we're gonna do to celebrate how gorgeous Monte Carlo is is we're gonna go quarter by quarter and we're gonna preview this thing. Um, some of these matches, by the way, you'll see, have already been played in the first round. Uh, Right now, they're they're actually wrapping up the first round. So some of my predictions are already correct. Some of them are already wrong. A few of them, at least. But I just left them, because I did this last night, and I just left them be. So you can see where I was right and where I was wrong. Uh, let's start with Novak Djokovic's quarter. The one seed coming off a tough sunshine double. Lost to Philip Kohlschreiber. Lost to Roberto Bautista Agut in the uh, round of 16 in Miami. I believe it was... The third round in Indian Wells, um, but but not not a good sunshine double. And my my opinion on it all was that Djokovic just came in and didn't prepare very well for those tournaments. So we'll see where he is now. Uh, but clearly, Djokovic needs to round back into form because he's out of form. That wasn't just that. I don't think I don't think that was him having a bad day because even if you're in good form. You can have a day where you're in bad form. What we saw, in, in my opinion, both of those matches, I think that, that what was revealed to us is Djokovic was in not very good form over there. And it was no coincidence that he lost twice. It, it, was, it was more a matter of his form than a matter of him having a bad day or two. Because one bad day you have, two bad days that bad, that means that you're not fully prepared. The top seeds in Djokovic's quarter are Tsitsipas, Medvedev, and Edmund. Uh, Edmund is quite dangerous. Um, I still have Novak Djokovic coming through. The dark horse is the best uh, the best player who's unseeded in the quarter. And that is clearly in this quarter Diego Schwartzman who uh, will be playing Kyle Edmund in the first round. That's going to be a really, really fun match. I nearly put it as my early popcorn match, but I did not. Upset alert is one of the picks that doesn't look so good because Daniil Medvedev just killed Zhao Souza 6-1, 6-1. I didn't see the match. I don't know what happened. But uh, I put Medvedev on upset alert because I want to talk about the the clay court surface and, and Medvedev's game, I don't anticipate that Medvedev's gonna be very strong on on Clay. And I haven't even looked at the numbers. Medvedev was kind of a late bloomer at the end of twenty eighteen, so he wasn't he wasn't fully on the radar during last year's clay court season, but I imagine the clay courts are gonna bother Medvedev's offensive output. Because his ball stays very low and it skids off the court. And it's very, he's the flattest hitter on tour probably. Especially, you know, his backhand, which he does the majority of his damage offensively. Well, it's pretty even. He can do damage offensively on both sides. But again, it's flat strokes. And part of the reason they are difficult to defend is because they skid off the court and stay really low because they're hit so flat, and with so little net clearance. On clay, you can't really get the ball to skid, unless you're hitting like a serve, or you're absolutely destroying a forehand. I mean, it's really hard to get the ball to skid, and the ball loses a lot more pace when you hit it flat. When you hit heavy topspin on clay, the ball can jump off the court, and you can actually you can actually gain pace from that. You can get the ball to to speed up off the bounce like, like Rafa Nadal does. Like Kyle Edmund will would, would, would do with his forehand. Medvedev not so much. So I, I feel like Medvedev's offensive game will will be bothered by the clay. That's why I put him on upset alert. But had no problem with uh, Portuguese dirtballer João Souza. So... Early popcorn is Djokovic and Kohlschreiber. Cole Kohlschreiber Cole took him out at Indian Wells. We'll get a quick rematch in the first round from Djokovic. But mainly the intrigue here is uh, what does Djokovic look like? How's he doing? In the Sunshine Double, he looked like he was having trouble hitting heavy enough. And he looked like he was having fitness problems. And he looked like he was having mental problems in terms of focus motivation and fight which when Djokovic is at his best he's an A plus 10 out of 10 in focus motivation and fight he you know he, he's a, a warrior and a titan out there wasn't wasn't like that in Indian Wells and Miami so let's see what Djokovic looks like uh, he gets a rematch against the the same man who took him out so I'm looking forward to that match and uh, that is Djokovic's quarter. Let me pull it up, though, just so we can take a look at it in a little bit more depth. Um, obviously, this wouldn't help really so much for audio. Uh, but Fritz is in there. Sanga is in there. Sanga beat Taylor Fritz. Um, Edmund. Let's, let's take a look at Edmund because he's probably the toughest guy for for Djokovic, and I know I haven't talked about Tsitsipas, which, whoops, sorry, this is hard for me to look at. Let me pull it up on my browser. Uh, Tsitsipas, I think, is a good clay, clay court player, but, and he's Djokovic's highest seed. Okay, Edmund's right. Edmund plays Schwartzman in the first round, and that's going to be a, a really fun matchup. Um, slight favorite to Edmund there. But that might be Djokovic's first real test. I think Djokovic has a tough draw. Um, I think Tsitsipas as your highest seed, I think you could do worse than that. And then I think to, to have Schwarzman and Edmund right there, I, I really – but I see Djokovic coming out of it. Because I think he's, he's had some time now, and I think he comes out of it. I think he'll look better than he did in, uh, in the U.S., Dominic Team's quarter. You got Hachinov, Gafan, and Basilashvili. Karen Hachinov is Dominic Team's highest seed on the other side. It's a very good draw for Team because Team hits just as big as Hatchinov. He's just more mobile than Hatchinov and has more quickness around a clay court. And uh, yes, Hatchinov moves well for his size, but the key but the key there is for his size. Uh, so team has a good draw there. Uh, I want to talk quickly about Karen Hatchinov's forehand on clay. It's that and I, I saw on Twitter someone say that Hatchinov's forehand is not good for Clay. Quite the contrary. Uh, he'll have more time to load up his forehand, and he likes time to load up his forehand on clay. The ball bounces higher on clay. He's a good high ball hitter, especially on his forehand side. When the ball stays low, that's what gives him trouble. And he hits heavy topspin on his forehand, so the ball will kick up more on clay. So I think Hatchinov has, uh, has what it takes to actually have... I know he's an aggressive player, but the way his strokes are designed, the mechanics of his strokes... Should work really well for Clay, so I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, Hatchinoff does meet Dominic Team in the quarterfinals here, which uh, would be a good result for Hatchinoff considering his struggles so far. Dark horse uh, Martin Fushevich, who played Vili in the first round. This was one of the upsets that I got picked that I picked correctly because uh, Fushevich won in three sets. I mean, he's got great fitness. I think he's one of the most fit guys on tour, and that'll be rewarded on clay. When when guys when players have trouble finishing points quicker, when there's more point construction, when there's more neutral rallying, that will favor the more fit player, the player who is less likely to pull the plug on a rally early because they're tired, or the player who's less likely to make an error mid-rally because their feet are tired. Or in general, you know, their upper body, their core is tired. So, you know, they, they get off balance when they hit a shot. Or they go for too much because they're feeling it in the lungs. Great fitness is rewarded even more so on clay. So that's why I put Martin Fushevich as the dark horse. Upset alert, none. Um, I kind of liked the seeds here. I mean, I could have put really but I thought that was just redundant. If I'm going to put Fushevich as the dark horse. Um... But Dominic Team, as the best clay court player in this quarter by a good amount, he's my pick to come out of it. Okay, the next quarter is the most interesting quarter in the draw. It's incredibly compelling, in my opinion, because I think it could get crazy. It's Sasha's Vera's quarter, who's in a huge slump, and I'm guessing someone will comment about it, and I'll talk about it. Uh, his top seeds are Nishikori, Chorich, and Finini. And I think that there are a good amount of dark horses in here, and I think there could be a good amount of upsets. My winner is FAA. I said it in Miami. I was correct about it. I'm going to hop on the the Felix train right now, and we're going to see if if I'm proven wrong. But right now, to me, I'm, I'm making the leap, and I'm treating FAA like he's one of the better players in the sport. And he hasn't proven that. I mean don't get me wrong he has not shown that he's made he I mean he's he's had a good last two months but he has not shown he's one of the best players on tour I'm I'm making the leap myself and I think he is and again you know I I was thinking about this I've had I've had two weeks to to think about this the the best players in the sport the greatest players in the sport are elite at so many things and those things often don't go together. And in, in the simplest way I can I can put it, great defense and great offense are inherently don't go together. Players who hit bigger serves and bigger ground strokes are generally slower because they got more mass on them, they got more body weight on them. Players who are lightning quick and play great defense generally don't have heavy ground strokes and don't have big serves they don't find offense as easy why because they're small and they're quick this is this is and then the elite players in the game are both easy offense lightning quickness with great defensive skills and no 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 weaknesses no holes great racket skills so there's our, there's our two minutes of FAA praise, which has kind of become a weekly thing. Uh, the other dark horse, I just want to give a shout out to Xiao Munar. Um, Munar is not very young. He's, he's taken a while now because I, I think he's 22 years old now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this is a guy who, if you don't know his name, you should because he'll be a competitor on clay courts for years to come. You know, he's, a, he, he's someone who grew up at the Rafa Nadal Academy in Spain, and he's a good clay court player, a good young clay court player with a good forehand, pretty good serve. The backhand is a, is a lot weaker, but he can he can wait to set up the forehand. And mentally, he's really, really strong, and he's willing to grind. He's willing to suffer. He's got that classic Spanish mentality, um, and he likes the clay court. So he's someone worth mentioning. He can do some damage. Upset alert, I have Kay Nishikori. Um, Nishikori... Could face Verdasco in the second round. He has the bye as the five seed. Verdasco will play P.H. Uh, Air Bear in the first round. So uh, if Verdasco comes through that and plays Kei Nishikori, I think Verdasco can give uh, can give Nishi some trouble. Uh, Nishikori's had a, had a disappointing year. And I think Verdasco's forehand can get up high on Nishikori's backhand. And I love the Nishikori backhand. It, it's it's a great shot. But I feel like Verdasco can pin Nishikori in that corner and, and dictate with his forehand, because when Nishikori is put on the run on the backhand side, and when you can get it up high, and and he's obviously only five foot ten, he can leave some balls in the middle. So I could see I could see Verdasco really controlling the middle of the court in that match with his forehand. Let's take a look, since I, I said that Felix would come out of this quarter. That's my prediction. Let's just take a look at his path. In the second round, he would draw Zverev, the number three seed. And right now, I don't know how you couldn't favor Felix against Sasha Zverev. He's, he's playing better tennis. Zverev, Zverev can't build. You know, He, he has no momentum right now. He he's in a massive slump, and I guess again I don't want to talk about it right now. I want to save it because I'm previewing the draw, and I bet I've got comments about that. But but right now, if if Felix isn't the favorite, uh, you're just kind of ignoring the form that these player that these two are in. Um, after. Where's Zverev? I lost him. Oh, here he is. Um, Borna Chorich is in this quarter. Uh, He could face Munar in the next round. So that'll be an interesting one. Chorich, that's a tough draw for Chorich to get Munar in the second round. And I really think that the top of this bracket with Chorich and Nishikori, it could get kind of jacked up. But I I, I wouldn't be surprised if Chorich made the quarterfinals. But if Felix gets through Zverev, He's got he's got a, a pretty good go of things. Fanini is his closest seed, who's been struggling. He's playing Andre Rublev right now, so we'll see what happens in that match. He's got Gilles Simon, who you know he he's a decent he's a threat. Obviously, he's he's a decent clay court player, but he's pr- probably a little bit better on hard courts when he can generate a little bit more offense with his counter punching style. Uh, but FAA has a pretty good draw. If he can get through Zverev, which I don't think Zverev's that bad a draw right now. Um, okay. One last look at Zverev's quarter. And let's move on to the next. Rafa Nadal's quarter, the final quarter. Top seeds are Chilich, Chekinato, and Shapovalov. And I'm pretty confident Rafa Nadal is ready for this tournament. He's been training it seems at at a pretty high intensity for a pretty long time now. And I'm referring to getting back, you know, having to pull out of of Miami after losing at Indian Wells. And I'm a little bit fuzzy on on exactly exactly what happened with Rafa at Indian Wells. For some reason I'm not remembering. But um He's he's been training at high intensity for a long time now. He's gonna be ready for this. This is gonna be he's done this before. This is a classic when when you give Rafa two, three weeks to train hard on clay and to work on his game, he's gonna come he's gonna come out here, in Monte Carlo. He's gonna look amazing. He's gonna look ready to go. He's gonna be fresh. He's on his favorite surface, he's gonna look healthy, and I think he's gonna tear through. This draw. Oh, right. He had to pull out against Federer in the semifinal. That's what happened. I couldn't remember. Um, Dark Horse. This is another obvious one. Who's the best unseeded player in this quarter? It's just, it's obviously Stan Wawrinka. Upset Alert. I wasn't really sure where to go here because Chilich, I mean, he plays probably uh, Pela, who took him out at Wimbledon in the second round. Uh, but I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see any major threats for Marin Cilic. I just kind of put him in here because Chilich has been on upset alert, I guess, all year. Uh, so we'll see if he can start to start to thwart the bad momentum here in the clay court season. Cilic isn't an awful clay court player. It takes a, it takes a little bit away from his game but doesn't take away too much from his game. I mean, he can still he can still play first strike, strike tennis and punishing offense. Early popcorn matches, Vavrenka, Csacanato, that's going to be huge hitting in the second round if that matchup happens. pair of, two, pair of one-handed backhands, and they're going to be absolutely bashing the ball. So uh, that's my early popcorn match. Let's go to the second weekend now. Here's how I see things playing out. I favor Dominic Team over Novak Djokovic right now. I anticipate that Djokovic is gonna look better and but I still think that this is gonna be a matter of Djokovic rounding into form as the clay court season progresses. And I think he'll be better he'll be ready for Roland Garros, he'll be ready for the French, but I would have trouble seeing him in the state that he was in two weeks ago, turning it around and being able to compete with Dominic Team. Who should be feeling really good about where he's at right now heading into the clay court season. He's never had a better go of things heading into his favorite part of the season, the European clay court swing. So team should be feeling great and should, you know, if he makes the semifinals, he you know, he should feel good against Djokovic. I like the way Dominic Team's game matches up against Djokovic. I'll talk about that at a future date. So I would have team beating Djokovic in three sets. This is the first time in a little while that I'm not picking Djokovic at the beginning of a tournament. It's been a little while. Nadal and Felix. I think that that Rafa could probably do to Felix what he's what he kind of. I mean, it's hard to say, but I don't think I think that Felix. Most of the matches he's played have been on his racket. And Nadal's forehand on clay can take the racket out of Felix's hands to a greater extent than we've seen. And it's a different experience. Something that Felix hasn't experienced playing Nadal on on the dirt. He's got to experience it. He wouldn't beat Nadal first time playing him on clay. You got to experience that, feel that. The, The way the ball jumps off the court, and obviously I haven't experienced it, but uh, when when you listen to people who experience it for the first time, the way the ball jumps off the court, the constant pressure that you feel when you play Rafa on clay, you need to experience that. You know, you that that's hard. That's hard to just jump on the court and you feel that, and it feels very different from really anything you felt on a tennis court, even the trajectory of of the ball that you're hitting. The way the way it kicks up, the way it picks up speed after the bounce. I mean, that's that's different. That's tough to handle. So Nadal takes out Faa in the semis, and then Nadal beats Dominic Team in three sets. This is a slower clay court. It, it's similar to Roland Garros. It's not like Rome and Madrid, which are a lot faster than Roland Garros. This this clay court is most similar to Roland Garros in its speed. And we've seen Nadal have a lot more success over Dominic Thiem at Roland Garros and on this clay court in Monte Carlo. So Rafa takes out Thiem in three sets. I think Rafa wins Monte Carlo. And I feel pretty confident. I really think that he's going to be 110% ready to play this tournament and look great just based on how much time he's had to train Um, and how well he's, he's, he's done this in the past. When you give Rafa time to prepare and work on his game, he comes back, it doesn't matter, even coming from injury. He comes back ready, and he'll come back ready. Let's get to comments. Drinking some black coffee. How will Federer's backhand perform on dirt? Given that he has won Miami, predominantly using slice against big guys, which wouldn't work on high-bouncing surface such as clay, will he need the 2017 backhand that he has lost somehow? Thank you for the question, Muhammad. Um, I think Federer has done a really good job recognizing whether or not the slice backhand is a viable play and either using it or not using it. So two guys he's played uh, recently on hard courts is Denis Shapovalov and Dominic Thiem in the Indian Wells final. Obviously one of those matches he didn't win. But in general, I think that in those two matches against players where the slice is ineffective, he had no problem recognizing that and ditching it when he's played Rafa Nadal in 2017. He's had no problem ditching the backhand. And I think he'll continue that. You're correct that the the clay court mitigates the effectiveness of Federer's slice as an offensive weapon, as an aggressive tool, because the ball doesn't really stay as low and skid off the court, and it loses more pace. So as a rhythm changer, the slice backhand works on clay, because the ball really just... To me, slice on clay, the ball just... It loses all its pace, all of it. So in some ways that's good because it's hard to attack and it changes up the rhythm of the shot so it can throw off the timing. It's not good though as an offensive tool because it loses so much pace and it doesn't skid. Um, It's almost like if you've ever played a feeding drill and you've had to generate all your pace because your coach is just hand feeding it that's like what hitting slices on clay courts. It's hard, it's tired. It, it I mean it's exhausting to generate all your own pace. So, clay can be effective, but the way Federer uses that an offensive tool, that will not work on clay. Does he need to find his 2017 backhand? He always needs to find his 2017 backhand. That's always beneficial, doesn't matter what surface. Also, though, when it comes to generating his own pace, I think that Federer's backhand He's better at using his opponent's pace against, um, in, his, in his favor on his backhand. So even the fact that he needs to generate more of his own pace on his topspin backhand, that isn't as good for Fetter's backhand. The fact that it bounces high, not as good for Fetter's backhand. It's simply, plain and simple, a weaker shot on Clay. OCS says, Gil, I'd love to hear your verdict on my theory. Nadal can't win on clay if he faces Djokovic. The mental game is too strong, and I don't think a surface can turn around what happened at AO, Australian Open. Of course, Nadal can still dominate on clay, but Nole Nole is his Achilles heel. In general, I pretty much agree. I pretty much agree that what happened in Australia has lasting And damaging effects. There is scar tissue there. You don't forget that. You don't walk away from that the same player that you went into it mentally. And Nadal needs to hope and pray that he plays Djokovic before the French Open and that he erases that memory. And it'll never be fully erased, obviously. But But if he plays at the French Open, and it's the first time they've played since Australia, that's not good. That wouldn't be good for Nadal. Because there will be mental scar tissue from that match. Because Djokovic ran him off the court. And that's damaging. Losses are damaging. But losses like that are especially damaging. I take issue with the word can't, though. Nadal can't beat Djokovic on clay. Uh, Don't say can't. Because that's definitely not true. But uh, yeah, if, if, if they played at Roland Garros tomorrow, I think Nadal would win because Nadal's in so much better form, uh, in my opinion. I bet we're going to see better form from Nadal. So after what we saw from Djokovic, it, my whole tomorrow theory, I actually like Nadal to win if, if they played tomorrow. But if I'm saying who who's my Roland Garros pick like, right now, I imagine Djokovic rounds back into form. And then we'll see what, what, what Nadal has to offer. Right now, I'm not sure. But uh, it's interesting. Who will sit in the Iron Throne? Is this a Game of Thrones question? I don't watch Game of Thrones. Um, I, I I don't really have time to watch shows in my life. Uh, so Game of Thrones, look, it, it sounds great. Um Sounds very, very exciting, but I do not watch it and I, I don't watch shows. In in my leisure time, I mean I, I have to watch a lot of sports for, for what I do and a lot of tennis for what I do, obviously. Um in my in my leisurely time when I want to get away. I watch a lot of stand-up comedy on Netflix, but I don't watch Game of Thrones. Uh Sap Save. Do you think the ATP ranking system should be changed? I personally think that they should, as they don't really represent the top 10 too well in terms of best in the world. For example, we all know Zverev is absolute crap right now, and he is world number 3 While Well-Fed might be in the best form in the ATP, and is number four. What I think should happen to fix this change um, is that the season rankings are the race to London rankings. This makes it a bit more realistic as you couldn't rely on performances from the previous season to help you. And there is also the fact that in almost every other sport, their teams slash players start from scratch in the beginning of the season. Big fan of the show. been watching for almost a year now. Thank you. Um, Here's the problem with that. So whatever surface you would start on, that would be an advantage to the players who are good on that surface. So because the season starts on hardcore. If the Race to London standings were used for tournament seeding instead of the ATP World Tour rankings, I think, I think FedEx sponsors those, the FedEx rankings, right? Um, if, the, if the London rankings were used, then the clay court players who did great on clay courts last year wouldn't be rewarded for doing great on clay courts last year. They wouldn't have those rankings points. They would have lower seeds coming into these tournaments like Monte Carlo and and Madrid, and Rome, and that wouldn't be fair. It would be skewed for the good hardcourt players because the season starts on hardcourt. I I don't think there's a problem with the rankings. Look, if Zverev continues this form, he'll be out of the top 10 before you know it. If he continues to play how he has at the beginning of the season, he will be out of the top 10 before the end of the year. I think these, this ranking system works. In Federer's case... It's the it's the points from the clay court season. Feder is going to go up if he has a decent clay court season because he's obviously defending zero points every time he makes a semifinal at a Masters event. He's going to gain a ton of points. So you're about to see Feder probably go up and Zverev probably go down. Right now, yes, the ranking systems, they're, the rankings are a little bit off, but I think they'll correct themselves pretty quickly. And I think that our ranking system is pretty good. Zverev versus Felix Auger, who will win? Look, Sasha Zverev isn't finding offense right now. He has no net game, and he has no forehand. His forehand is too safe, too spinny, and too inconsistent. Uh, it's, it's a mess right now. And when you have no forehand and no net game, and you don't serve like John Isner, and look, his backhand just isn't enough to create a requisite, uh, or I don't know if requisite is the right word, but his his backhand isn't enough for offensive output. He has no offensive output. He really can't hurt anyone right now because he has no forehand. Because he can't hurt people with his forehand, for the most part, with any consistency. And that's a tough place to be because he is not a cardio machine. He is not, I mean, he's, he can be extremely consistent, but he is not as fast as you need to be if, if you have no offense around the court. Uh, he, his defense is not elite. Uh, he's in a tough spot right now where he's just he just doesn't have that much to offer right now because he can't generate offense at the moment. Because he can't finish at the net at all. And he really can't step in, attack a short ball, and use his forehand to do damage. That's a really tough spot to be. Felix, right now, he should win that match. I think Felix would win that match. Let's try to get to a few more. I'll try to go really fast. Uh, Do you think Djokovic will make it far? What about Rafa? Who can challenge him early on? Uh, I think Djokovic will make the semis, lose the team. Rafa, I think, will win. Um, team versus Djokovic. Who will get more ATP points in the clay court season? That's a really good that's a That's an interesting question. Again, I think Djokovic, it's going to be a progression. Like, I think Djokovic will win Rome. I'll say that right now. Let's say Djokovic will win Rome, but I don't think he's going to win this tournament. And I probably wouldn't pick him at Madrid, but I think it's going to be progression. Rounding back into form, getting back into shape. I don't know why he, I mean, look, there are reasons. The majors are his priority right now. And I mean, again, you know my thing with uh, the, the Sunshine Double. I, I, think he got, I think he got out of shape. If Rafa is completely fit and plays his 100% game, do you think Djokovic or Team can beat him? History would suggest no. I think we've seen enough. We've seen enough 100% Rafa beating those two on clay. Now uh, Team Team has made a jump, but let's remember he's never been really close to Rafa now the last two years on clay. It's been pretty straightforward for Nadal. Next-gen guys on clay, um, I think Felix is is going to be really good on clay. I think that Chorich should be decent on clay. I think Titipa should be decent on clay. I think Shapovalov, the, the surface, takes away a lot. I think Medvedev, the surface, takes away. Um, am I forgetting someone? I probably am. I usually do. Um, but yeah. That's that's what I got. And then some people were asking for the French Open Power Rankings. Um, Let me try to pull this up before this video ends. Or you know what? Let me make another video. I'm going to end Monday Match Analysis here and uh, make a separate video that will be the French Open Power Rankings. Hope you enjoyed this. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.